and the Canadians are holding him. Degrasse, can he do it? Yes, he can. Gold to Canada. And after what a difficult season it's been for Degrasse, he tastes gold in the form. Hello and welcome back to the Shakeout Podcast presented by Canadian Running Magazine. As always, I'm your host, David Stahl, and today we have a very very special edition of the rundown featuring a voice you'll likely all be familiar with this week i had the absolute privilege to chat with canadian olympian broadcaster and former host of this very program kate van buskirk as a former listener myself i'm so glad kate was generous enough with her time to look back and chat about her time on the show as well of of course offer a preview for canadian running in 2024 We had a ton of fun doing a little bit of a retrospective on her time as host. And of course, we talk about some of her favorite moments from past interviews, the most intimidating guest appearances, most valuable tips she picked up from running experts along the way, and who she wants to hear from next on the podcast. So we have a little bit of a look in the rearview mirror, but of course, Towards the end of 2023, we also had to do a preview for next year's elite running scene. Of course, if you know Kate and her broadcasting career off the track, her Olympic career on the track, you know she is the utmost expert on the subject. So we take a look at some of the most vulnerable Canadian records heading into 2024, who might break them, and of course, how high our expectations should be ahead of a massive Olympic year. So we take a little trip in the past, we look towards the future, and overall, it was just such a fun conversation to connect with Kate And I really, really appreciate her time. I want to say an enormous thank you to Kate, not only for taking time this episode, but for really helping to build the whole foundation for the ShakeOut podcast at large. So if you enjoy our conversation, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Follow us at ShakeOut Podcast on social media for clips and updates from the pod. And of course, in the meantime, please enjoy my conversation with the great... Kate Van Kate, thank you so much for returning to the ShakeOut podcast. Again, I think I speak for all listeners when I say that we're so happy to have you back on the show for an episode. I've mentioned it before in previous episodes, but I was a listener and a fan long before I ever tried my hand at hosting. So this is very, very cool for me personally. Oh, David, thank you so much for having me on. It is both uh, wonderful and a little bizarre for me to feel like I'm on this (laughs) side of it this time. I, you know, I'm the one used to sending the Zoom link and asking, you know, (laughs) if everyone's comfortable with the outline. And I was the one asking this time, how do my my levels sound for the audio? So, (laughs) but no, I'm thrilled, David, you're doing a really fantastic job. And uh, it's, it's been several months now since my voice has been part of um, the Canadian Running Magazine ecosystem, and of course, with the ShakeOut podcast. But, um, you know, I was with the podcast for the better part of four and a half years. I loved all of it um, and really thrilled to be reacquainting with our audience once again and with yourself. So thanks so much for having me on. I'm looking forward to the episode. 
And I know they're they're so excited to hear from you again. And obviously, you're not far removed whatsoever from the Canadian running scene, although not with the podcast, but on live broadcasts and covering on on some of the biggest stages in running. So we're excited to dive into all of that. But I know both you and I sort of took uh, on our own accord a nostalgic trip back on some of your old episodes and doing my research. And I know I sort of tasked you with looking back on some of yours. And so I'm curious, when you did look back on some of those previous episodes, was there sort of a surprising guest that people resonated with really deeply? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think that, you know, there I first of all, I did take quite a nostalgic uh, trip down memory lane, listening back to some of the old episodes and the old interviews and reading the old transcripts. And I was reminded, I knew this, but I was reminded how much we covered how much we covered through the magazine, how much we covered through this podcast. And I think what was so neat for me, um, I'm going to take a a slight divergence from your your direct question just for a moment, because I think in terms of surprises or, or elements of things that resonated both for me and for our audience, what struck me was that um, the, the focus of our media coverage, I think through this, this publication and this outlet is trying to be as holistic about, who we cover and who we talk to and, and what stories we're bringing to light. So, you know, we, we talked about and with elite athletes um, on the, you know, from the, the roadside, the track side, the trails, the cross country course, we talked with both um, Olympic stream and para athletes. We talked with Canadian and world record holders, but we also talked with folks who were doing really important tremendous work within their communities to make the sport more accessible and to draw more folks in who might not have been the historic, you know, the, the, the stereotypical audience member for some of this coverage. We spoke with sports scientists. We spoke with people who are trying to change the model of sport. Um, we talked with just such a range of folks. And, and I think that was the real joy for me. So what was wonderful is that, and you'll know this, David, from the work that you do now, but I would you know, collectively, we would come up with an idea for for an episode, we would reach out to the guests that we thought would be, you know, appropriate for that episode. And then I would have an outline with some general questions, and I would really want the conversation to go in a natural direction. But that almost always happened, I would have an outline, I might have some direct questions I wanted to ask. And by the end of the episode, we had almost inevitably, every time covered so much more than I thought we might, which is the great part of, of doing this work is that when people start talking about what they're passionate about, it, it really can go in directions you weren't expecting. So I would say I was pleasantly surprised by at least one element of every single episode. Mm. In terms of episodes or interviews that that were particularly memorable for, for just reasons that were maybe a little bit outside the box, um, I think back to one of my favorite early episodes, which was with a wonderful woman named Lisa Sweetman in Toronto. And I had met her through our friends at the Runners Academy, um, who we've talked about quite a bit on the show as well. Um, my my practitioners, um, Chris Shepard, who had you know kept me really healthy throughout my running career. And I had met Lisa as one of his patients. And Lisa's story is just absolutely jaw-dropping. She mm-hmm. had all these health issues and has been a runner, but nothing in her sort of health profile made any sense as to why she was suddenly experiencing all these changes physiologically and mentally. And, and she went to specialist after specialist and could not figure it out. And things got so bad that she finally, um, it was finally discovered that she had a brain tumor. She had a tumor on her pituitary gland 
And I remember talking with her about it in the episode. And she said, it's supposed to be this nice sort of round bulbous thing, the pituitary, but the, the um, tumor had grown so large that it had flattened her pituitary gland into a pancake. That's the way she described it. And then having to go through brain surgery to remove this and all of the sort of outcomes from that and how it changed her perspective and her relationship with running. And Lisa is this bubbly, fun, energetic person. And the way that she was speaking about this roller coaster of her, you know, her health journey and her emotional health journey, and then how it's actually the end of it is that it made her a better runner and a better person. And I just, I was blown away by that story because I had, you know, you do the research, but then when you actually hear it from someone's perspective, it really is, um, it's more impactful. Mm -hmm. So that was one that, that really sticks with me really quickly. A few others, you know, we talked a lot about mental health on the show. So Reed Burroughs, who's a, a really accomplished trail runner, and his journey with mental health and um, and running and and that connection and um, his inspiration and encouragement of others to seek, you know, support in ways that feel good for them, so that running can be a complement to your mental health journey and discovery. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really liked when we spoke with elite athletes and and top like track and field superstars, who the episode was about them, but about their take on things like the business model of track and field. So one that stands out for me was Aaron Brown talking about track and fields, broken business model. And he had put so much thought. I mean, he sounded to me like someone who had, you know, three MBAs <laughs> talking with the, his, his gripes about how track and field could be doing a better job of marketing itself. Why we are not, um, why we're sort of self-sabotaging as, as a business and how much better it could be. And he had all these tremendous insights into that. And so we talked a little bit about Aaron Brown being a you know multiple time international medalist, but it was so much more about his approach to how we could make this better and more equitable for everyone in the sport. Evan Dunphy did something different around the inherent inequality in Olympic qualification. So these are the kinds of stories where we, we, we dug below the, the exciting, but sort of surface, the exciting surface of, of the athletic achievement and into uh, what these folks are really passionate about. Um, mm. And then of course, things like, you know, the Under Armour Diversity Series episodes yeah. were were fascinating for me, particularly, I was so grateful to speak with Trishel Bunn, um, who was running for reconciliation and uh, started a, a reconciliation run from um, the former grounds of the residential school where her grandparents attended and, and the physical act of running away from that place with a community of both Indigenous and non-Indigenous athletes. I mean, I could go on and on, but just, you know, the the range of of, of folks that I spoke with and the, the platforms that we were able to share for some of these stories was was really exciting for me. That Trachel Bunn episode is well worth if people are going to go back and just listen to a handful. I think we get so lucky too with the recurring guests, the people who become familiar with the program and familiar with us and are happy to give their resources time and again. And, you know, it feels like an understatement calling someone like Maddie a a recurring guest. She's more of a a pillar of the the podcast in her own right. But, you know, you had such a strong roster of, of people who would come back and sort of share their insights time and again for you. I'm wondering, I mean, this is an impossible question. I won't ask you to pick a favorite, but maybe were there a couple of recurring guests that you would have on and, and they maybe always had such fresh insights for you every time? 
Yeah, another great question. And, and again, huge, just to start off, huge shout out to Maddie Kelly. She's one of my very dear friends. Um, you know, we went to the Olympics together and I was able to, through this work with the shakeout, really watch her rise as an athlete. I was on site in 2019 in Montreal when she won the Canadian National Championships 800 for the first time. And we were able to go back to the dorms like you know, an hour and a half later and chat about it for the podcast, which was so cool. So I, I, I really want to give Maddie her flowers for the work she did with this show. And um, yeah, just fresh takes with her and a ton of laughs every time, which was great. Um, recurring guests. I mean, I, I've already mentioned a couple of them, but Evan Dunphy came on quite a bit to chat with us. Um, and always, you know, one of the things I really appreciate about Evan is he is not only a true student, but also a true fan of the sport he's a race walker and most people will be familiar with Evan Dunphy as a name, but um, you know, multiple time Olympic and world championship top 10 race walker. And I got to say he, I, I, we were joking early on that I felt like I got a PhD in running from how long I've been doing this sport. And that's why it's so great for me to be able to remain in it in a different way. Evan Dunphy blows my knowledge out of the water. And I do a lot of research and a lot of work. He just, he is so embedded in the world of track and field in Canada and internationally, but he is such a genuine fan of every single athlete in our sport from the jumps to the throws, to the distance, to the sprints, hurdles, race, walk, everything. He knows it all. He's got a great passion for it. He speaks so well about it. So he was a really appreciated guest on mm. a regular basis because he could just, you know, he was such an advocate for our sport in Canada. Another one I'd say was Ben Flanagan. I mean, talk about a fun personality. That guy is just, he's a hoot every time you talk with him. I really, really enjoyed having him on. Um, ben Flanagan, any, anytime he's on a podcast, give it a listen. You're going to laugh. He's going to wear his heart on his, on his sleeve. It's going to be awesome. Um, and then, you know, I had both Natasha Wodak and Melindy Elmore on a couple of times each for good reason. And uh, they're, you know, just they're groundbreaker, groundbreakers. They're doing absolutely tremendous things for the marathon in Canada and also for their communities. They're really embedded as coaches and as mentors and leaders. And so I think the fact that they're, you know, in their forties now and still hold the two fastest times in the marathon in Canadian history, um, they have a lot of wisdom behind them. They have a lot of experience and also similarly, really true fans of the sport. So mm. I would say those, those are the ones that come to mind. Right oh, I love that. And yeah, I've had the chance to, to get to know Ben personally over the last couple of years and a, anyone who's met him personally knows like that joyousness, that generosity, that charisma that you hear on the mic when it turns off, it is relentless it doesn't go anywhere he is truly the the nicest guy on the planet and of course <laughs> natasha just uh an icon particularly over the past couple of years just yeah and and those evan dunphy episodes as well yeah absolutely and i know one recurring mind that we both love picking from as well is alex hutchinson of course who we had the chance to chat with a couple of weeks ago and i'm curious i feel like every time i listen to an interview with Alex, there's always like 10 tidbits, like objective little tidbits that I put in my back pocket and go, okay, I hope I never forget those. When you were chatting with them over the course of your, your time on the podcast, was there ever a particular, and maybe not something as objective as a hard and fast training tip, but maybe more a nuanced piece of advice that he would offer runners that stuck with you when you were chatting with them? 
So that that's going to be really difficult for me to distill partly because I can't, it's hard for me to recall what we talked about in those episodes versus what I've read of him and heard of him, because I feel like every time I open social media or, you know, read anything in the running publication world or listen to a podcast, he's out there and on there talking about, you know, the latest breakthrough in science and how it applies to you. I think one of the genius elements of someone like an Alex Hutchinson is that he, and I know that this is his job, but he does it incredibly well. He takes scientific concepts or research papers and things that are just so far beyond in concept and language, anything that I could possibly begin to understand. He does all of the translation and then makes it so accessible for all of us. And I think that that is um, a true gift because I can read the data. I can't begin to analyze it. And half the time I don't even, it's like a different language, right? But, and so he, he has that unique ability of being able to be that, and I'm going to say this with love, Alex, but that nerdy scientist on the one hand and an incredibly eloquent you know, man of the people on the other hand, to be able to, to translate that. So I feel like uh, I'm, I'm learning something new from him all the time, but one episode that I did with him, cause I think I did at least two, maybe three in the time that I was uh, with the podcast, but I, one of my favorite episodes was with Alex Hutchinson and Steve Magnus. Um, and that was again, a mind blowing conversation. You'll hear this if you go back and listen to it, but there are times where I just sat back and put my mic on mute and let them talk to each other because they got on a roll. And I thought, Oh, I'm, I'm just recording. I'll edit it. It's going to sound great because they just, you know, they had so much to say, but the, the conversation was about the concept of talent and what is talent? What does talent how do we define that? And then how do we unlock it? Right. And so again, I won't begin to try to um, distill all of that conversation down. Highly recommend going and giving it a listen. Um, hopefully, you know, David, we can link it maybe in the show notes, but um, something he said about talent that I think was so universal and so applicable, Alex said, sometimes there are useful lies in life. And what he was referring to was I had asked him a question about um, the 10,000 hour rule, this concept that had been popularized by Malcolm Gladwell, who I know you're a big fan of. Um, and so the idea basically in a nutshell is it takes approximately 10,000 hours to be excellent at something. That's the amount of practice and work that you have to put in to get really, really good. And, um, you know, Alex's take was that that has been a little bit, there's there's been a misinterpretation of that concept um, sort of out there in the ether and, and that if, if anyone puts in just 10,000 hours of work, they can be excellent at something. Um, and, and he said that what he meant by that being a useful lie is that no matter how many hours of work some of us put into any given attempt, we're, we're not automatically going to get excellent at it, but we might get better than we ever thought we could be at it. And so I, I, he said, you know, it's a useful lie because no, I'm not going to become, you know, an NBA star because I put 10,000 hours into basketball. He's like, I, I, I didn't work hard enough on my height drills. You know, his joke was that I'm never going to be tall enough to be in the NBA, but if I put a lot of work into something, I am going to learn more and discover more about myself. And if I don't put a lot of work into that, I will never untap my potential and I'll never go through that exploration process of figuring out how great I could be and how passionate I could be about mm. this thing. And in, in our case running. So I really liked that concept where he said, you know, 
very few people put in the work necessary to discover that for themselves, but those who do put it in never regret it. Mm. Um, and, and so his takeaway was it's worth it to try and to try really, really hard. If that's what you, if, if your goal is that element of self-discovery and he used the concept of read cool set as an example of watching people succeed in the face of perhaps a, you know, a, a talent deficit. And he said that with respect, right? That read cool set coming out of high school and even out of university was not one of the top runners in Canada, certainly not in the world. And there was nothing there really to indicate that he was going to go on to become a two-time Olympian and, you know, scratch at the door of the Canadian record in the marathon and become one of Canada's all-time, you know, great road runners. And yet he did. Um, and had he not, had had he just, you know, adhered to the strict model of what talent was, he probably never would have discovered how great he could be because nothing indicated he could get there. Mm. And, and what I love about Alex and what you just touched on there is, there is this scientific foundation in not just his writing, but even off the cuff conversationally, he does the same thing of alchemizing these hyper complex ideas into such a accessible conversational manner. And I think the beauty of your time hosting the podcast is that you had such a natural rapport with so many runners from being in that space as an Olympian yourself. I'm curious if there were any either athletes or maybe figures in the community that you were a little extra nervous for coming on the podcast that just heightened the intimidation factor at all. Yeah, definitely. And so to, to get back to the first part of that statement, you know, I used to say when when people would ask what I did and I would tell them that I was, you know, the host and producer of the Shakeout podcast and I said but what I really do is I get I'm so fortunate that I get the opportunity to interview my friends and heroes for a living. And I was so comfortable with a lot of my guests. Some of them I didn't I hadn't met before and so there was a different um type of conversation that would come from that which I also really enjoyed. For the most part I was interviewing people that I knew um which was such a gift. Uh, one I will say was that um, Maddie and I interviewed Shalane Flanagan right towards the end of Project Eclipse, which some of our listeners will remember was um, Shalane Flanagan, of course, one of the best all-time uh, runners in the U.S. and I would say the world in, in the 10,000 meter and the marathon, um, had retired and was coaching and was working um, with, with Nike and, and with a number of the top athletes in the States and also a mother and um, had decided post-retirement that she was going to take on running all six world major marathons in a six-week span. And that was her project Eclipse. So Maddie and I were fortunate enough to have Shalane on the podcast to chat about this and about lots of other elements of her life. I remember having to make sure that I didn't drink too much coffee before we started that interview because I was already a little bit jittery and Maddie and I had done all this prep and we had talked a lot about how we were going to approach the episode. And it's not, I'm Shalene Flanagan is one of the warmest, <laughs> kindest, most genuine people I've ever spoken with. And I knew I had met her before. I knew that to be true, but I think because she is just such a superstar and because I had so much respect for her, I was definitely, I wouldn't say intimidated, but nervous going into that conversation. And then I think we kicked off the conversation by Maddie saying something like, Oh, it's it's around Halloween. What's your favorite Halloween candy? And as soon as we started talking about chocolate, I was like, oh, "Okay, we're good. <laughs> it's going to be fine." And it ended up being a really really fun chat, but that was one that stood out for me as 
I want to get this right. And then same thing with, you know, Alex Hutchinson, anytime I talk with someone like that, who's who, who I just, I'm, I don't want to sound like an idiot because I cannot possibly speak the same scientific language as, as them. And, you know, same with Alex would never do anything to make me feel that way. It was totally my own insecurity, but those were the two that, yeah, probably I, I just had to really take a couple deep breaths beforehand. <laughs> I I kind of love that though, especially from your perspective too, where you have so many peers in the sport and you know, there is that it's so easy to get comfortable in conversation. And for, for me as well, when you start to get to know the athletes and then to sort of have a pinch me moment a little bit and go like, oh my God, what a privilege that not only it sort of makes you look back and go, oh, not only is it a privilege I get to talk to Shailene, but oh, it's such a privilege I get to chat with Maddie on a regular basis and pick her brain. It sort of recenters you and being like, wow, there's so many amazing figures to, to touch on. Now, I want to touch on your, your current work because there's so much exciting stuff. I'm sure lots of our listeners have followed along with what you're up to now. But I, just in case uh, some people aren't familiar, I want to do a deep dive into what you're most excited for in terms of coverage. But before we dive in, maybe to offer a little bit of a blueprint as to what we should be doing in 2024. Were there any bucket list guests that you always maybe wanted to interview or thought were right for the shakeout podcast that just the timing wasn't right. They never made it on the program that you're thinking, all right, David, get them on. We need to have them on a mic. Oh, how long have you got? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, it's, um, it's difficult for me to, to think back on that because I feel like who the, the folks we had on were just so exciting for me to be able to speak with. I don't know that there is one person necessarily that I think should be a future guest. I think there are tons of people who should be. Um, I think back again to, you know, being able to speak to that range, right? From elite superstars down to, not down to, but over to sports scientists, to mental performance folks, to community builders and and people who are doing really awesome things, sort of like Guinness World Records and, and quirky stuff that that really draws us in and inspires us. I think that what I would hope for is that there is a continued effort towards making sure that as many types of voices as possible are heard through this platform. Um, You know, that was a conversation that I had, and I I won't get into any specifics here, but I did have some sort of private or behind the scenes conversations with some folks who at various points rightfully um, had perhaps more critical perspectives of the work I was doing and that we were doing. And those were absolutely vital learning opportunities for me as a person in media who had to recognize the the power and the val- the, the power and, and the strength that my voice has and that our voices have in media and the need to ensure that we are using ourselves as platforms for others to tell their stories authentically. So I think that making sure that the that the, that range of diversity is really genuinely um captured within within the work that we do is is really important. You know, again, I I was so lucky. I spoke with folks like Lynn Kanuka, who was the 30 plus year um Canadian record holder in the 1500 meter before Gabriella Debus Stafford came through and finally um eclipsed it. And and Kevin Sullivan, who as both an athlete and and a coach has done, you know, just absolutely fabulous things. Bruce Kidd, uh one of the most storied 
runners in, in Canadian history. Um, and then folks like Aristotle Domingo, who's an adaptive runner, a double below the knee amputee, who went talked about having to lose part of both of his legs over mm. a, a period of a couple of years and learning how to run with um, with prosthetics. Um, other para-athletes that we spoke with, like Marissa Papa-Constantinou and Nate Reach, um, I would say an international athlete that I never got the chance to interview but would love to is Faith Kipiegon. Partly because she set three world records this year in the 1500, the mile and the 5,000 meter, but also because I have raced her for a number of years. And so I've chatted with her, but never had the opportunity to really like pick her brain on a podcast. So she's an international athlete I would love to uh, to have the chance to talk with. But in terms of Canadians, you know, I'm going to turn this around on you, current host. <laughs> What do you what do you think? Who who is someone that you would really like to have on the podcast? Oh, that's such a great question. I think it's tough. So to give a personal bucket list item, I would love and it would have to be the right catalyst, the right interesting nugget to pull them out. But you mentioned him earlier. And it would be from a personal note, Malcolm Gladwell, who, you know, sort of has that similar approach and and sort of that deep interest in running. And it's one of those people where you mentioned before we started recording where Alex, I'm sure, gets requests all the time from huge media companies looking to get his insights. And yet he's still so invested in what's happening in his backyard and how those advances impact the everyday runner as well. I think the same stands for Malcolm, but I think I'm going to unfortunately have a somewhat non-answer based off such a salient point that you made where I think some of the next great guests that we need to have in 2024 are likely people that you and I and a lot of our listeners haven't heard from yet, right? So I think it is that exercise and this off season is the perfect time for us to explore that of reaching out to our listeners and we sort of are putting a CTA at the end of each episode and saying, you know, email me, let us know which voices need to be heard. DM us on Instagram. We're checking those and making sure that we have our ear to the ground. Cause again, we get so caught up with the Olympics coming in 2024 and big races and, and huge strides made by Canadian elite athletes that that's, I don't want to call it a, a great distraction, but it, sort of eclipses sometimes what's happening in a grassroots sense. But yeah, I think making sure that we're listening to our audience. And again, you did such an incredible job of emphasizing diversity and marginalized voices on the podcast. And I think if we go to a number one priority, it's ensuring that, you know, it, it this podcast reflects what Canada's running community in particular is composed of. And that is a very wide spectrum of, of people. So again, that answer is sort of whoever our audience is, is begging to hear from. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just, you know, to further that just one step quickly is to go back to that idea that Aaron Brown put so eloquently in his episode about, about making our sport more more palatable and more interesting for people who are beyond just the diehard fans. Hmm. So track and field and road running and trail running and cross running, like there is so much that people are doing that is outside the box now. There are so many things that I think the purists would call gimmicky, but that's actually just making it a, a more visible, inclusive, 
fun, frankly, um, sport to be both a participant in and an observer of. So the more that we can highlight cool, funky, out of the box things that people are doing um, on the roads, track and trails, the better I say. 100%. 100%. Even, you know, I'm I'm slightly embarrassed to admit that up until a couple months ago, I really had no experience in looking into backyard ultras. And of course, we have members of our staff who are so locked in on the ultra scene. And I was sort of picking their brains and hearing about the logistics behind it. And again, maybe, like you said, a purist per se would say, oh, well, this is this is not the, the a true form of racing or whatever you may have it. Oh my God. Yes, it is. And the personalities and also the causes that are supported by some of these wild endeavors, they're fantastic. So yeah, I think also widening our perspective as to what an elite runner looks like and what they take on is, is part of the exercise too. One more story that's been completely fascinating for me. And I know that Canadian running has covered this in the past, but not on the podcast. If you could find a way to get Markel Taylor on, that would be a tremendous get. So really quickly, for those who don't know the story, Markel Taylor was incarcerated at San Quentin State Prison and decided to take up running. He was in prison for 18 years, started running around the prison yard to stay fit and got so good that he dreamed up this idea of trying to run the Boston Marathon. And so in 2019, he ran something that he ended up calling the San Quentin Marathon, which was just over 104 laps around the prison yard at San Quentin in a time that was fast enough to qualify him for the Boston Marathon. And he he ran Boston six weeks after he was released. So there's a ton of great coverage of this. I believe there's a new documentary out about it. I know that Canadian Running has uh, done some great articles, but he, I think, would be a fabulous person to uh, to have on the pod. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, incredible story. And just being able to cut out the middleman and hear it directly from his narrative would be such a dream. So yeah, add, add that to the top of the list for 2024 as well. Amazing. And Obviously, we alluded to it before, but again, if if people have not kept up with Kate's current work, she's doing amazing things in the world of media and, and just such an amazing next step into live coverage uh, for her media career. So maybe for those who aren't caught up to date, Kate, could you maybe offer a little bit of context, explain to people what you've moved on to work to and, and where they can find your content today? Yeah, thanks, David. So I have been doing a lot more in the broadcast space, as you mentioned, so primarily through Runner Space, which hosts ACTV. So if you're watching anything um, like the, the Canadian racing circuit through the spring, um, you know, the, the Guelph Inferno or Harry Jerome or the Victoria Track Classic, Edmonton Track Classic, things like that um, are all covered through ACTV. And uh, I believe there's about eight events in the series, including what this year will be the Canadian Olympic trials for 2024 or nationals. Um, myself and Evan Dunphy's brother, actually, Adam Dunphy, are the co-commentators uh, for those broadcasts. And I've been doing some more live PA announcing as well at various events, both track and field and uh, road racing, really enjoying that. So um really looking forward 
to my hope is to be part of the broadcast team again with the CBC this year to cover the Paris Olympics. I've been so fortunate to have that opportunity for the last two years with world championships in 2022 and 2023 with CBC. Um, it's been a blast working with them and being able to really get into uh, some of the coverage of our top athletes. So that is my hope heading into 2024. And I'm just loving being on this side of it now and, and being able to still have a foot in the world of the sport that, that I've grown to love so dearly over the last three decades. Oh, amazing. I think even as a fan myself, and I'm sure you've felt the same way, I think the great thing about ACTV and, and CBC in tandem with one another is they're offering homes that running fans know we can go to for key events, which is such a huge advantage when we're talking about growing the sport. And I think a part of that is also knowing the voices like with you and Adam and knowing the authorities that we're going to be hearing from at these events. So I highly recommend people tune in again. Now we we know where those key hubs are for, for major races. And it's funny. We chat about it a bit before starting to record, but it almost feels as though, you know, now you're you're jumping around and traveling a lot more than you typically have to with the podcast. If people are seeing my background, they'll notice a theme. It's the same each week. Now, on the other hand, you're traveling from race to race. Does it feel like being an athlete sort of trained you for this new lifestyle on the road? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's it's so similar in some ways. You're having to be adaptable and and I've always loved traveling for my sport and I'm still doing it for sport just in a different capacity. I'd say maybe the the biggest thing that's changed is I don't have to necessarily have a huge plan set up ahead of time of exactly where I'm going to eat at what time, where the bed is that I'm going to be in at 959. Um, you know, I, I have a little bit more flexibility with that, which means maybe I don't eat and sleep quite as well as, as I used to, but it's been a, a total blast and it's been a lot of fun to, uh, to be on the side of it now. And I'm so excited for what's to come over the next year, again, on the track, the roads, the trails, the cross country course. Um, and in our communities, there's such exciting stuff happening. I feel like, you know, we all have to still be really safe at this time of year, but coming out of the, the depths of COVID from a couple of years ago to be able to have mass start lines, mass participation races, mass cheer sites out on courses. It's uh, I think we're going to have a good year ahead of us. And you mentioned it there, sort of looking through the lens of an analyst and a broadcaster, as we look towards obviously a big year in 2024, which Canadian athletes do you think will see their stock rise the most, perhaps young runners just entering the professional scene or veterans looking at that one final huge Olympic run, et cetera? Again, another really tough one. Um, one athlete I've got to say that I'm super excited about, and she's been knocking at the door for a while, and I think she is about to see her breakthrough is Kaylee McCabe. Mm -hmm. So those who have been following um, the the high-level both track and cross-country scenes over the last couple of months will know that Kaylee is um, someone who competed at the World Championships in the 3,000-meter steeplechase this summer and was really excited, had such a positive post-race interview saying, I know that I'm not where I want to be yet, but I'm where I need to be right now. And this is going to be a launch pad for what comes next. You know, she has been a standout at the University of West Virginia. She's been running so well um, at the Canadian, I would say, right below the sort of world level for quite a while now, but made a really big breakthrough in the summer to make that team 
went on to win Canadian National Cross Country just a, a month ago and, and did it in dominant fashion. We've always said the steeplechasers make great cross country runners. And that was true once again this year. But I think um, Kaylee McCabe is a tough cookie. She gets out there and gets the job done and is gritty and um, is, in my opinion, just has everything set up for success leading into to 2024. And we mm. got to get some more women on our podium. I, I, I'm so proud of our, our men who came away from the world championships um, this year with the majority of our, our six medals. Big shout out to Cameron Rogers for winning the first ever women's uh, hammer throw title for Canada at Worlds. But um, yeah, it, I think there's it's time for the gals to step it up. And, and, and I shouldn't say it that way. It's time for the gals to get their flowers because mm -hmm. there's a ton of athletes knocking at the door. Uh, the steeplechase gets me really excited, both on the men's and women's side. Matt Hughes holds men's Canadian record going back to 2013. And uh, we've got the likes of John Gay and Jean-Simon Degagnier. I think we're going to see that record go down. And, and I think those are two other younger athletes who are going to come up and, and fill some top spots in Paris. Mm. And you mentioned the steeple and we touched on it earlier, sort of in this era of super shoes, it feels like we've entered a new chapter where records that, again, an aforementioned 35 year record, those are starting to now be eclipsed by athletes who, again, in their own right, have just put together such incredible resumes and are now running on speedy tracks are now running on speedy shoes. When we look towards 2024 you mentioned the steeple are there any other records that you look at and go okay and perhaps on the women's side in particular we, we have such a strong roster of athletes i think this one might be a bit vulnerable yep absolutely there are a few there too like i said the steeple but i think on the roads we are just we have been seeing year after year this lowering of the women's marathon record. It gets me super excited. That's one of the themes that was continuous throughout my time hosting the shakeout was speaking with the folks like Rachel Cliff and Melindy Elmore um, and Natasha Wodak. And of course, before that, Lenny Marchant and Krista Duchesne. Um, there are so many other women knocking at the door. Andrea Sakafian, one of my former training partners, currently holds the 10,000 meter record on the track, as well as the half marathon record on the roads. That's a record that was lowered, I think, three times in the space of like seven weeks in 2020. Um, and I, it's one that I think could, could go down for sure. Um, and then, you know, I I just, I would love to see some of these mid-distance records go down as well. Gabriella Dubuse Stafford has just, she dominates the, the mid-distance uh, board, but, you know, Melissa Bishop Riagu, 157.01. If we could get an athlete under 157, that would be absolutely stunning. I'm, I'm not certain we're going to see it in 2024. I think we've got a lot of excellent 800 meter women who could get us really excited about like the 26 world champs and the 28 Olympics. And then Angela Chalmers, 3000 meter record. I know it's not an Olympic event, but it's a, a race that's run a lot indoors. And that record goes back to 1994. It's 832. It's really fast. But I think that um, I wouldn't be surprised to see a Stafford sister have a good crack at it. And then again, just so many other athletes who are coming out of university and college right now who let's get excited for 24 and then let's keep our eyes focused as well on 26 and 28 because this record book is going to be completely rewritten, I think, in that time. Yeah, I think you make a really salient point, too, where I think everyone, including myself, whether it's in media or athletes, 
are so fixated on Paris 2024 because it's right around the corner. And like you mentioned, we're back sort of at full fan capacity as well. But when you look at the very, very young generation of runners just exiting university, it's such a strong contingent to maybe look a little further down the line. And it almost feels like a particular Canadian trait to maybe get very, very excited for the immediate future as well. I'm a basketball fan. I've been there a million times as well with Team Canada. But it's kind of what we do in the media with a big event like the Olympics on the horizon. And especially with such a special year from athletes like Pierce LePage and obviously Natasha Waldak on the international stage. How high should Canada's expectations be for 2024? Well, I can't think of a time that I've been more excited about our prospects across the board. And I know that, you know, on this podcast and, and through this outlet, we're really focused on running and that on its own, it gives us a lot of reason to be excited and optimistic, but to, you know, this is something that we we spoke about a lot in our CDC coverage of the world championships this summer is that from the throws to the jumps, to the sprints, to the distance, to the race walk, to the steeplechase, we have athletes in almost every event who are contenders for finals, if not medals. And to come away from the world championships in Budapest this summer with six medals, four of them gold, and then, you know, several other top eight, top 10 performances, seven personal bests. And our team, like I said, is well represented across disciplines. And I, I've talked about how um, inspiring it is to have folks like, Melindy and, and Tasha and uh, Dana up in the marathon on the women's side who are in their late 30s, early 40s. But I would say on average, our team is fairly young. We have a lot of athletes for whom this was their first world championships or their first time making a final. We are poised to be perhaps our most successful team ever in 2024. I know that's a big statement. I'm not saying it lightly. I'm genuinely totally stoked for what's going to be coming down the pike leading into uh, the next eight months or so. If I can use a running analogy, this is a, an exciting passing of the baton. David, I'm, I'm really glad that you're taking up that torch now and continuing the podcast. I want to thank, maybe just take a quick opportunity to thank, um, of course, Canadian Running Magazine and Gripped Publishing, all the folks that I worked with there who taught me so much over my you know four and a half years um, and who became great friends and colleagues. And then, of course, our audience. I loved interacting with our audience on a weekly basis. Our audience was hugely supportive of Maddie and I in our own athletic pursuits. Um, I felt like everywhere I went around the country and around the world as an elite runner, including going to Tokyo on that wild trip for the Olympics, I had this enormous um, swell of community with me and behind me. So I just really want to thank everyone who tuned in every week, gave us their feedback, both you know positive and critical. They're both really important and who were um, you know loyal, loyal participants, I would say, not just fans, but people who were really part of our ecosystem and um, many of whom I, I'm still in touch with and have become good friends with. And it was a true joy to be on the airwaves. And I hope that, you know, we'll all continue being able to interact in uh, in this way again as we go forward. But thank you, David. This has been a real pleasure. Oh, of course. And, and just anecdotally, a little insider baseball for our listeners. But 
I'll say when I when I first entered the office, everyone could not stop talking about just how much they loved Kate, loved working with her. And they're very, as all listeners know, very, very large shoes to fill. And it meant, yeah, as a former listener and now the host, it's it's meant so much to be able to pick your brain and to be able to chat with you and, and catch up. So thank you so much for the foundation you've built and good luck in 2024. We can't wait to follow along and hopefully we're able to catch up with you and, and circle back on everything that's going to be going on in the Canadian running scene. Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to it. And to everyone listening, best of luck with all of your goals and everything you're trying to accomplish in 2024 as well. It's been an amazing 23. 24 is going to be awesome. And I uh, hope to, to talk with you all again soon. Thanks so much, David. Thank you so, so much for tuning into my conversation with Kate. To keep up with Kate's amazing current work, be sure to tune into Runner Space and CBC Sports and follow her at K8VBeast on social media. That's K, the number 8VBeast on social media. I also highly recommend you take a look into the archives and relive some of the incredible interviews from her time as host that we referenced today. Like I said, if there are running figures who you think we need to hear from, please feel free to reach out to me at david.stall, that's david.stoll at runningmagazine.ca, and I want to hear who you want to hear from. Otherwise, again, if you like this episode, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast, give us a five-star rating if you think we deserve it, it helps us out a ton, and follow at Shakeout Podcast on social media to keep up to date with all of our upcoming interviews, your clips from current episodes, and all of the inside insights into what's going on with the pods. But for now, happy running, happy holidays, and we'll see you next week. It's their northerly neighbors, and somehow, after an awful year of injury, 